Hey there, future RTs. Welcome to VRES's RT Study Hall. These podcasts are meant to help break down the information you're learning in lecture, and I'll also give you some practice questions at the end. This lesson is a part of the Oxygen Therapy series, and you can find what I'm calling the Ultimate Oxygen Therapy Study Packet with tons of extra resources and practice at www.myvresp.com. I also have a Facebook tutoring page. Just search Respiratory Therapy Study Hall. In this audio lesson, we are going to focus on the difference between high and low flow oxygen devices. We talked about low flow devices and when they are used. Here, we're going to primarily talk about what high and low flow means. What is the difference between the two? One of the most common mistakes that students make when initially learning this is to mix up flow and FiO2. It is important to understand that high flow does not mean high FiO2. So let's start by making sure that you understand the difference. FiO2 is the concentration of oxygen, and flow is the amount of gas we are delivering in liters per minute. A device can be low flow, like a non-rebreather mask, and still deliver high concentrations of oxygen. So what does low and high flow actually mean? A low flow device is one that does not meet the entire inspiratory flow of the patient when they take a breath in. This means that the patient must also take in some room air. The less flow that we provide, the more they must entrain, thus diluting the 100% oxygen being delivered with the flow meter and oxygen device. For a nasal cannula, we can estimate the oxygen delivered using the rule of 4. This states that for every liter, the FiO2 increases by 4% from a starting point of 20%, which is room air. But this is only an estimate. Normal inspiratory flow at rest is about 20 to 30 liters per minute. There are a few different ways to estimate this. Most commonly in school, you are asked to use minute ventilation times three. So for example, if a patient has a tidal volume of 500 mLs and a rate of 16 per minute, that would result in a minute ventilation of eight liters per minute. We would then multiply by three and you get 24 liters per minute. If you're wondering where the three comes in, it's based on an IDE ratio of one to two. The sum of the ratio is one plus two, which equals three. Some teachers will give you a minute ventilation in a different IDE, like 1 to 3 or 1 to 4. Just add the ratio numbers up and multiply by the minute ventilation. Back to that 24 liters per minute we just calculated. That will be the inspiratory flow the patient generates when they take a breath in. If we give them a nasal cannula at 5 liters per minute, remember that will be 100% FiO2 coming from the flow meter, but that means the other 19 liters per minute is coming from room air. When those gases mix, you get an estimated FiO2 of about 40% using that rule of four. What happens if that same patient has an increase in their minute ventilation? What will happen to their inspiratory flow? If you said increase, that is correct. Let's say it goes to 40 liters per minute. Now the patient is pulling more room air in and diluting the FiO2 being delivered by the nasal cannula they will probably get a lot less than the 40% they were getting when their inspiratory flow was lower. This is why we say that low flow systems have a variable FiO2. We can only estimate it and it changes as the patient's inspiratory flow changes. In order to have a fixed or precise FiO2, one that is accurate and won't change, we need a high flow device and we need to ensure that that device does in fact meet the inspiratory needs of the patient. With a low flow device, the patient was in training the room air. With a high flow device, the device itself is going to be in charge of that entrainment, which makes it more precise. It does so using Bernoulli's principle, or Venturi's. Some will still use the term Venturi mask, 
Others will use the generic term of air entrainment mask. This type of mask has an orifice that will pull air into it based on the FiO2 set and the flow set on the flow meter. The air pulled in will mix with the oxygen from the flow meter and deliver the set FiO2 at a much higher total flow, a flow that should completely meet the inspiratory demand of the patient. There will be a video that practices air entrainment calculations. For simplicity's sake, I will use the same 40% FiO2 that we were trying to deliver with our nasal cannula. 40% is an easy air entrainment ratio to remember. It's 3 to 1, so think 3 plus 1 equals 4 for 40%. What does a 3 to 1 ratio mean? It means that for every liter of oxygen we have set on the flow meter, the mask will pull in 3 liters of air. All we have to do is make sure that what we set the flow meter on will result in a total flow that meets or exceeds the patient's demands. Let's start with a setting flow at 5 liters per minute. If I'm pulling in 3 times that amount of air, then there will be 15 liters per minute of air entrained into the system. Added together, that gives me a total flow of 20 liters per minute. Generally, when you're calculating total flow, you'll just add your ratio parts. So a 3 to 1 ratio will be 3 plus 1 equals 4, and then multiply that by the liter flow on the flow meter. So 4 times 5 is 20 liters per minute. Does that meet our patient's original inspiratory demand of 24 liters per minute? No, it doesn't, and so I need to increase the flow. How much do I need to increase it? This is the other kind of common question asked. What is the minimum set flow requirement? This essentially uses the patient's inspiratory demand as our target total flow. Just work the math backwards. Use the inspiratory flow and divide by your ratio parts. So in this case, 24 liters per minute divided by 4 is equal to 6 liters per minute. That is the minimum flow that we need to set the flow meter to. At 6 liters per minute or higher, you will meet or exceed the patient's inspiratory demand. And this will be a true high flow system. Increasing the flow higher than 6 liters per minute will not change FiO2, only the total flow being delivered by the device. But if you set the flow lower, then that will potentially lower the FiO2 because the patient will have to pull in room air to make up for the difference. We don't routinely measure a patient's minute ventilation or attempt to figure out what their actual inspiratory demand is. In most cases, you should simply aim to achieve a total flow of at least 40 liters per minute. Some textbooks will advise up to 60 liters per minute. So for that 40% air entrainment mask, we would need 10 liters per minute set on our flow meter to achieve the total flow of 40 liters per minute. This would be a safe place to set it. Some high flow devices, like a high flow nasal cannula system, Vapotherm for example, have a blender in which you specifically set the flow and the FiO2. 40 liters per minute is the typical starting point for flow, and then FiO2 is adjusted as needed. Questions from students often revolve around when to use a high or low flow system. We don't necessarily need to be able to meet a patient's inspiratory demand. We just need to be able to improve oxygenation. And that can certainly be done with a low flow system. The choice most often revolves around the FiO2 that is needed, the best way to deliver it, mask versus nasal cannula, and whether humidity is needed. Indications revolve more around the devices themselves than whether they are high or low flow. That said, for testing purposes, there are two main reasons to use a high-flow system. First is for COPD. The rationale for this is that it is better for us to provide a more specific FiO2 for them. You may also use a nasal cannula, but if a test question gives you the choice between a nasal cannula at 5 liters per minute 
or a 28% air entrainment mask, use the air entrainment mask. It is better to give a lower fixed FiO2 than a higher variable FiO2. The other scenario is for someone with what's described as a variable or irregular breathing pattern, sometimes fluctuating tidal volumes or high rates and volumes. This would be an indication for a high flow system specifically. Let's talk more about what device to choose in another episode. So let's go back over the highlights. I'll ask a question and you can see if you can answer. Answer out loud if you can. This will help cement it in your brain a little bit better. First question. Can a low flow device deliver high FiO2? Yes, a non-rebreather can deliver FiO2s of 60 to 80%, even close to 100% when the bag is fully inflated and there's a good seal around the mask. Question two, what will happen if a patient is on a low flow device and their inspiratory flow or demand increases significantly? FiO2 will likely decrease because they will entrain more room air. Question three, what is the definition of a high flow device? It is an oxygen system that provides a precise or fixed FiO2 that meets or exceeds a patient's inspiratory flow. Question four, what is the normal inspiratory flow range of a patient at rest? 20 to 30 liters per minute. Question five, if a patient has a minute ventilation of 10 liters per minute, what is their estimated inspiratory flow? To get inspiratory flow, we multiply 10 by three to get 30 liters per minute. Question number six, an air entrainment mask works based on what principle? Bernoulli's and Venturi. Question seven, if I have an air entrainment of three to one and I ran my flow meter at eight liters per minute, what would the total flow be? Add the ratio parts together. Three plus one equals four, then multiply by what's on the flow meter, which is eight liters per minute, which will give you 32 liters per minute. Question number eight, if I can't measure inspiratory flow, but I want to ensure I am meeting demand, what total flow should I aim for? 40 liters per minute. Question number nine, to find minimal flow required for the flow meter to be set on, what do I do? You first have to find the inspiratory flow or demand of the patient. Once you have that number, you will divide by the total ratio parts for whatever FiO2 you are delivering. And question number 10, what testing situation should you look for when deciding that high flow is indicated? COPD and patients with irregular or fluctuating breathing patterns or volumes or high rates and or volumes. Thanks for joining in on this session. I will talk about high flow devices specifically in the next episode. For videos and practice on the calculations we talked about today, go to www.myvresp.com. Also look for VRESP and Respiratory Therapy Study Hall on Facebook.